You're listening to media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. We are a multi-generational, Jesus-centered community of Scripture, faith, and grace located in Tallahassee, Florida, on the campus of Florida State University. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. We hope that the next few moments are a time when God speaks into your life by the power of His Holy Spirit about His Son, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who comes in order to assure us of His fairness to humanity. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's not fair. Have you ever heard that? Because if you live with kids about the age that my kids are, you will hear that. You will hear that because they're very, very tuned in to what is fair and what is not fair, even sometimes when I think that it's completely fair and, well, they don't agree. But there, there is kind of that thing within us that, that gets kind of riled up about things being fair. We want things to be fair and square. In fact, uh, we, we just started the baseball um, uh, spring, uh, spring training, and, um, and something that I think is t- absolutely unfair is that uh, my beloved National League now has to have a designated hitter. It is just not fair, and if you don't care about baseball, you're like, I don't care either. (laughs) But it's not fair. I'm telling you, it's not fair. Or maybe you've been in that position where you've been sort of bullied, or or you've been sort of um, uh, backed into a decision by somebody who has told you sort of rhetorically, well, don't you think that that's fair? And you go, hey, I guess so, and if I think that it's fair, that must mean that I should do it. And so there's something inside of us that's very interested in things being fair. And normally speaking, when we say things are fair, well, we normally think of that as being, well, beneficial to us and uh, not beneficial to somebody else, or at least equally beneficial to uh, the the people that uh, are on the other side of whatever negotiating table we have. So uh, that sense of fairness, that fairness is what we're talking about in terms of God today. So what we're talking about today is God's fairness and and how God is fair. And so uh, as we get into this, uh, we're we're going to be going through this same sort of structure. Now, this structure that for those of you that have been with us the whole time, uh, you probably maybe already remember this, but maybe not. So we're going to review it for everybody. The structure is this ancient prayer structure called the collect form. Uh, And so the collect form, it starts off with the, anybody? The address. The address is we simply address God. We say, okay, God, this is uh, a title for you. This is a name for you. This is an aspect of who you are. And then after that, we get into the rationale and we say, okay, well, this is who you are. And we know that from this thing from scripture, from my life, or, or whatever it is. So uh, then after that, we finally get into the pe- petition, part number three. The petition is real easy. It's just, hey, we're going to ask God for something. 
after we ask God for something, though, we follow it up with this thing that's called the aspiration. And the aspiration is, well, okay, now that I've asked God for something, if he actually grants that thing that I was asking for, how does that serve his kingdom? This isn't just going to be about me. This is going to be about him answering that prayer for the sake of his kingdom. So how is that going to work out? And then after that, we get a a conclusion that involves the mediation of Christ and how Christ brings all of this stuff together. And so that's what we're going to be doing again today, and that's what we're doing throughout this Lenten season, is kind of moving through those five moments. And the first moment in uh, in our sermon today is the movement of the address. And so we're, we're just going to address God, and we address God, and we say, Oh God, who is fair and just. And there's a little part in that that maybe we start going, Ooh, well, mm, do I really believe that God is fair and just? Do I, I really think that, that God is treating me fairly? Do I think that God is treating everybody else fairly? Is there a fairness and a justness about God? And so what we do is we, we go to the scriptures. We, we say, okay, well, where in scripture do we see God being fair and just? I mean, that's kind of the issue that pops up here right away in that first reading from Ezekiel. God is speaking through Ezekiel to the people of Jerusalem, and they're having an argument about exactly this. God is saying, I feel like I'm being very fair to you. However, you feel that my way is not just. My way is not fair. And so they get into that conversation around, well, what does fairness mean? And so God basically outlines what fairness means for him. God outlines that fairness for him means that you have the opportunity to do the right thing in the present moment, which maybe isn't the same way that we describe what fairness is. And you can kind of see where the people of Jerusalem are coming from, because the people of Jerusalem are are coming from this saying, well, we've done a lot of good stuff. We've done a lot of really laudable things. We've done all sorts of things that have been really good. And because of that, we should have some credits. We should have some credits that we're able to sort of bank up and use. And because of that, still sort of stay on the righteous side of this equation. And there are other people, other people who are wicked, and they should have sort of negative credits. They should have negative credits, and so um, when they do something good, well, maybe it knocks out one of those negative credits, but it still doesn't kind of bring them back anyplace. It it, uh, doesn't bring them across into being righteous. And so uh, in that, we see all of a sudden that God's definition of what is fair and just is a little bit different than at least the people in Jerusalem, and perhaps a little bit different than how you would describe what is fair and just. Because uh, in God's understanding, there is no sense of you've accumulated some sort of debt or you've, you've sort of built up a bank of things that you can do. Instead, for God, God's definition here is that it's all about where you are in the present moment. That in the present moment, no matter how many good things you've done, in the present moment, if you are in a place that is in active rebellion to God, guess what? You get to be lumped in with the wicked. However, if you have been in active rebellion to God for a whole bunch of time, 
And now, in this present moment, you are willing to repent. You are willing to change your ways. You are willing to turn around. God, in this reading from Ezekiel, is saying, cool. You are now in the righteous. You are now in this segment of people that are righteous and and these people that will not be killed. And he's telling them, why do you want to die? This is so easy for you. Why do you want to rebel against me? I'm not going to be charging you for the debt that you've accumulated, but rather I'm going to be utterly fair to you in this present moment. I'm going to be fair to you. It is if God meets us in every one of our present moments and says, which side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on side wicked or on side righteous? And we have to go, huh, well, where do I want to be? Because we're sinners. And there's a part of us that wants to occasionally, at least, go over into that side that says, well, God, actually, I want to be wicked. And there's a part of us that says, and by the way, God, I think that that is totally fair. I think that it should be fair for me to say, well, today I got up out of bed and I want to be wicked. I want to poke people in the eye. I want to kick dogs. I want to do all sorts of terrible things. I want to leave nasty comments on TikTok. I want to do all sorts of stuff that is going to make people angry with me, that is going to take away from my sense of peace and the sense of peace that others have. And I want to be wicked, and that should be okay. To which we have to go then to this gospel reading. And we have to go, okay, well, why is it fair even for God to say, well, I, I kind of expect some things out of you. And, and in this gospel reading, we have a picture of that as Jesus tells this very short but actually very interesting parable about the fig tree. So we get into this parable about the fig tree. And this parable about the fig tree shows how it's fair for God to expect good things out of us. So he says, first and foremost, there is a master of a vineyard who goes and he plants a fig tree in the vineyard. Now, already we notice something that's a little bit strange that's really going to help us out in the rest of this parable. And that is the fact that he is planting a what? A fig tree in a what? Vineyard. Guess what don't normally grow in vineyards? Fig trees. So God's doing something a little bit different here. God's saying, like, I'm planting something special. I'm planting something in this vineyard that is going to be different than the rest of the vineyard. If you look at that in the scope of creation, what God does when he creates us, when he creates human beings, is he plants a fig tree. He plants a fig tree that says, that says, this is something different. This is something that I can expect something different out of. The rest of the vineyard is great. You know, the, the labradoodles and, and the, 
the peonies and all of the rest of creation. The rest of that vineyard is fantastic. But I, I want to plant a fig tree here. And guess what? When I plant a fig tree, I have some expectations for my fig tree. My expectations for planting my fig tree is very simple. I want to come to it after three years, and I want to be able to find on it some fruit. And so in that, we again, we see God being utterly fair. he's, He's fair because, well, it's his fig tree. We're his fig tree. He planted us. He expects stuff out of us, but he doesn't expect stuff out of us right away. He's like, I'll give you some time. You get three years to start producing some figs for me. And yet he shows up and the fig tree is not producing figs. And it's a problem. And the master says to the vine dresser of all people, says to the vine dresser, I want to cut this down. This is not doing any good. And so in that, we have this, this interesting picture of God's, God's fairness. God is utterly fair in his uh, desire to want to cut down the fig tree. And so we have this sort of long, expanded rationale here. So we've already said God is faithful. We've said, okay, well, uh, because of that, uh, we, we understand how God is fair um, and, and how God kind of works this out. And then we get into this question of, okay, well, if God is fair, well, then what do I ask God for? Because that's the next beat, right? The next beat is that we start asking God for something. And so if we know that God is fair, if we have kind of done our work in order to prove that God is fair, Well, then what would we ask of somebody who is a fair God? Well, I think what we would ask for for out of somebody who is a fair God is a fair judgment, right? What we go to fair people for is, normally speaking, fair judgment. We, We turn those people into umpires. We turn those people into the people that are at the top of the Major League Baseball Association who somehow, for some reason, decided that it was okay to force the National League to have a designated hitter. A little bit perturbed about this. (laughs) And it turns out that there's something that we can go to God for. We can say, okay, God, we need some fair judgment. Of course, we know that sort of deep down inside, if God is judging us on our debt, well, then we know that we actually don't want fair judgment. We we want something other than fair judgment. But if God's fairness is defined by his fairness in the present moment, in the moment of looking at us and looking at the state of the repentance of our hearts, well, then we know that we can go to God for fair judgment. We can go to God and we can say, God, I I need you to not look at my debt, but I need you rather to just look at what I want to do, that I, I do want to repent. I do want my sins forgiven. I recognize that I am a sinner and that I need to be forgiven of sins, and I know that you are the one that can do that for me. 
It reminds me of a story from when I was a young pastor. I was a young pastor. I was um, not a smart pastor in so many ways. But one of the ways in which I was not a smart pastor, I'm still not a smart pastor, um, (laughs) but I was especially not smart back then when I was using credit cards, because I would use credit cards like candy, and I I would rack up all of this credit card debt, and I don't know if you guys have bumped into this thing called compound interest, but it is cancer. (laughs) It, yeah, started taking, like, I I started paying my bills, and I started paying that, that, you know, that minimum payment, and I started seeing just exactly how much debt I could accrue. Until a point where I finally had to contact somebody who was uh, thankfully willing to give me a loan in order to pay off all of my credit card debt. Now, thankfully, these people were, were willing to do that. And they, they had two requirements of me. They had the first requirement of me was they said, stop doing stupid stuff. <laughs> and for me, that meant... You can only have one credit card from here on out, and we're probably going to monitor that. The second thing is, they said, we're going to pay off your debt so that the compound interest stops, but you have to pay us back for that. And I said, well, okay, that's fair. Stop doing stupid stuff, pay off my debt. However, with us, we have this amazing moment in our lives, where God promises us not only that he will get us back to a point where we're able to repent and we're able to start to work some things out in our lives, but he says, I'm also going to pay off your debt. All of those sins, all of those things that you've done before, I'm going to wipe those away. You don't have to pay me back for those things. All you have to do is repent. And it goes back to that great line from Ezekiel. He says, why do you want to die? This is so good for you. This is like racking up tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt and getting a place where you can just say, I'd like to not have that debt anymore. And God says, done. Just stop acting like a buffoon. And we go, okay, but only for a moment, right? <laughs> only for a moment. O- only until we, we get to that next little th- moment where we're given this ability to sin. And so we actually need to ask God for a second thing in our petition. And that second thing comes in Paul's letter to the, uh, the, the Corinthians. Uh, Paul sends this letter to the Corinthians, and he has this great line in there where he says that you may not desire evil. And that's really, when it comes down to it, that's really what we need to ask God for. More than his fair judgment is that we would not desire evil. We would not be turned into a place where we would accrue more debt after he's forgiven us. And we cry out to him for that. We call out to him for that, that we would not desire that evil anymore. And that's where it gets into this this interesting kind of moment as we look into the aspiration. Because if we don't desire evil anymore, what do we start looking like? Well, we start looking like a good fig tree. We start looking like a, a tree that's producing what it's supposed to be producing. 
And God gives us how he figures this out in his divine justice and fairness in that parable. So now we go back to the parable and we're back with this fig tree and the owner of the fig tree has gone to the vine dresser, has gone to this person who takes care of vines, who takes care of the vineyard, who takes care of, uh, of not fig trees, but who takes care of all of creation. And you, you look at this person and, uh, and the master says, just cut it down. I don't want to see it anymore. And this vine dresser comes back to the master and says, give me a year. Give me a year to work with this, not vine, but this fig tree. And in that, we see a picture of who Jesus is. Jesus is the one who takes something that is not fair for himself. It is not fair for the master to expect this vine dresser, this person who works with grapes, to be working on figs also. But what this vine dresser does is this vine dresser says, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of the fig tree also. I'm go- give me a year. I'm going to see what I can do with it. And that's what Jesus does for us. Jesus is under no obligation to come and save our sorry behinds. Jesus here is the vine dresser who is working on us, the fig tree who hasn't borne fruit. And that is the conclusion of this prayer. The conclusion of this prayer is that all of a sudden we see how Jesus ties together God's fairness. Jesus ties together God's fairness in that he makes it fair for us in the present moment to come to God and to say, Lord, I need to repent of sins. I need to not desire evil anymore. I need constantly to come to you with, for the forgiveness of my sins with my hat in my hand and asking you for yet again for you to show me fairness in this present moment. I have been wicked. I want to be righteous. Please forgive me. And Jesus does that for us by being unfair to himself. By being our vine dresser, by being the one who takes upon himself a burden that he should not have to carry, but carries it anyway all the way up to the cross, so that there he might die for us and be unfair to himself, so that we all might have a fair chance in this present moment, all over again, to cry out to God and to say I'm wicked, but I don't want to be anymore. So may you this week go out into this world knowing that you do have a God who has been fair to you. And that he has been fair to you at the expense of being unfair to his only son. So that you may live with that only son in eternity 
Amen. Thank you for listening to this media from University Lutheran Church and Student Center. To learn more and to get connected to other resources, please visit universitylutheranchurch.org. If you would like to financially support more media from University Lutheran, please visit our website and click the Give Now button, which will enable you to engage in the Christian discipline of giving tithes and offerings to God through His church. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up His face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Well,